0: Our reading this evening will be Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 to 10 and can be found on page 1174 of the Church Bibles. That's page 1174. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves... It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do.
1: Great, thanks for reading that command. Short and sweet but jam-packed full um, of things for us to get our teeth into this evening. Great to see you here this evening. My name is Tom Woodbridge. I'm the curate here at St. Mary's. Um, and if you're visiting or joining us for the first time uh, this year, uh, we are second week into a little mini-series working our way through Ephesians Chapter 2 across four Sundays in January. And so last Sunday, first Sunday in uh this new year we started off by looking at the first seven verses of Ephesians chapter two and saw the new life that God provides and so if you were here uh, a little reminder if you weren't here uh, what we saw was uh, the hopeless situation we were in and yet the greatest uh, the gracious intervention and transformation God provides the hopeless situation that we were dead and yet God has made us alive that we were enslaved and yet God has raised us up and seated us with Christ that we were condemned and yet God has saved us and so through that we saw the new life that um God has provided through Jesus Christ all by grace and yet as we hear that and maybe you uh, thought this over the past week it can be natural to hear that and have questions um, whether you're someone here who would call themselves a Christian or whether you aren't someone who would call yourself a Christian. Uh, we hear that and hear that God has done that amazing work in us and kind of look in the mirror and go, well, so what do I do? Um, I've had numerous conversations with um, people who aren't Christians and so often when they think about Christianity and what it might mean for them, they so often ask the question, what do I do? In order to be saved, in order to find favour with God, in order for God to like me, what do I have to do? And that question doesn't just stop with those who wouldn't call themselves Christians. Often as Christians, we can hear about the gospel and what God has done and go, well, what about the things that I have done? Or, okay, that's alright, but what do I do now? And so in these three verses, in verses 8, 9 and 10 of chapter 2, Paul tackles those things head on. What does that look like for what we've done? What does that look like for going forward, what we're called to do? And as um, you'll have seen if you were here last week and just during the short reading Conair brought to us, um, Paul wants to emphasize grace. And And in one sense, by the end of verse 7, you'd kind of think, well, Paul, we've got the message. <laughs> Let's move on to something else now. And yet Paul goes on with the same message again. And, and before we think, come on, Paul, come on, Paul, move on. I, I think he re- wants to reinforce the message because there's a danger that we don't get the message. There's a danger that we can fall into the trap that he wants us to avoid. And so, therefore, he's saying, look, I'm going to reinforce this so you avoid falling into that trap. Because we can make the mistake of ask, asking and potentially, potentially answering the w- wrong questions. So we're going to look at two things this evening in these verses. Um, here's the first thing we see in verses 8 and 9. Paul wants to say there is nothing that we could do. There is nothing that we could do. I wonder if you've ever been in the position of um, either being told or telling someone else, how many times do I have to tell you? Dot, dot, dot. Uh, maybe there's a generational difference in the room as to whether you're being told that or doing the one, being the one telling. Um, it will shock you to hear, I'm sure, that I feel like it was something I heard regularly uh, as a kid. Um, surprising, I know. Um, but I wonder if Paul feels that. As he writes this, pens this letter to the Christians in Ephesus, thinking, how many times do I have to tell you? And yet in the same breath, probably thinking, but it's such an important message that I'm going to tell you again, because I want to get the message across. Look, let me make this as clear as possible, verse 8. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Paul says we're saved by grace. It's a gift undeserved favor getting something you don't deserve god's gracious gift and it's through faith it's having trust it's trusting in what god has done for us through his son jesus christ and where is this gift from well paul gives us a negative and a positive do you notice he says first the negative it's not from yourselves it doesn't start with you It's got nothing about you. It's nothing from you. And then gives the positive. It is the gift of God. It's all from God. It's his wonderful initiative. It's his wonderful gift. And this gift, it refers to all of it. So the salvation, we're saved, that is the gift from God. The grace that saves us that is a gift from God and even the faith that we have even the faith that we trust in God the trust and faith we have to receive this salvation even that is a gift and for some of us sitting here that might sound surprising for some of us we might think well the faith part of it well that's surely our end of the bargain right As if God's saying, look, I'll show you grace. I'll save you. But as long as you have faith in me. And yet to that, Paul says, no. Even the faith that we have to trust in God, even that is a gift from him. Paul cannot stress it enough. It is not from us. And in fact... (laughs) He can't stress it enough because he keeps on going. Again, to reinforce it, verse 9, it's not by works. There is nothing that we could do to contribute to our saving. Remember last week, the situation that Paul makes loud and clear, we're dead, we're enslaved, we're condemned. And it's him that makes us alive, that raises us and seeks us, that saves us. It's all a gift. It is not by works. Could you imagine it when it comes to your next birthday or when it comes to my uh, little Lily's next birthday saying something like this to her? Well, look, Lily, of, of course we'll give you something, but here's the deal, right? Here's what you've got to do in order to receive that present. Here's what you've got to achieve in order to get that present. You've got to earn it. No, it's a gift, That's the whole point of a gift. Lily doesn't need to do anything to get it. She gets it. It's her birthday. In fact, all she needs to do, if you like, all she needs to contribute to is as I give her the gift for her to stretch out her hands and to receive it. Because it's a gift. Nothing to earn it. Not by works. And so similarly with God, it's a gift. It's his initiative. It's his choosing. It's grace. Not from us, not achieved by us, not as if it's a reward for us. And so we might be thinking, oh come on Paul, we get it, stop going on about it, give us something new. And I wonder if Paul would say, I'm not sure if you do. Or, or, or even if you do, I'm worried there's a danger that you might forget. Or something might happen to kind of cloud your thinking on it so i'm going to repeat it because as we mentioned at the start it can be such a common mistake for those who aren't christians to make and, and maybe that's you here this evening uh, maybe you wouldn't call yourself a christian and as you think about christianity you can think, well, it's all about what I need to do, right? It's about my works. And so for God to be pleased with me, for God to accept me, for God to, to love me, for God to save me, well, I've got to be good, haven't I? I've got to be nice to people. I've got to say the right things and not say the wrong things. The Ten Commandments, that's what it is. I need to do those and then I'll be saved, right? And, and, and to be honest, when I hear that, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm not surprised. Because as we mentioned last week, as we look around the world, pretty much every system around us works on that basis. Nothing comes for free. You've got to work to earn it. Whether that starts from a very young age, and any parent here might remember telling them, "Oh, look, if you want that treat, here's what you've got to do. Or whether it's as you grow up through teenage years and you do your exams through uh, college and going into university and all the deadlines and the achievements you've got to earn to then move on to the next stage of life and in our career and jobs. Well, what have I got to do to prove myself in order to progress on the career ladder? You see, compared to pretty much every system in the world around us, the gospel of grace is different. It's incredible. And it's not just every kind of social, secular system around us. But if you look at every religious system that we know of, every other religious system says, do. Look, let me show you, tell you what you've got to do to earn pleasure and favor and acceptance by whatever spiritual being that religion professes. And so compared to every known religious system that says, do, Well, the gospel of grace is completely different. The gospel of grace says it's done. Nothing you've got to do. And so if you're not a Christian here this evening, hear loud and clear that Christianity is not about what you've got to do to earn God's favor. It's all been done for you. It's not by works. It's God's work his initiative his gift and yet it was likely that as paul penned this letter he was thinking of the christians in the church in ephesus it was christians in mind that he wanted to remind them and remind them and remind them because he probably worries that it's christians that can make this mistake that even though we might have heard this message slowly but surely into our thinking we think I'm a decent Christian look at all the things I do God's pleased with me or surely God will accept me he'll know how many times I've read my Bible sure I've made I've missed a few days but he'll understand the busyness in my life and Paul says it's not from you it's not down to your works it's a gift from God and so therefore rest of verse 9 no one can boast Since it's got nothing to do with human merit, there is no place for human boasting. We're not saved as a reward for good deeds or our religious performance, and so there is no way that we can boast before anyone, boast before God, boast before those we know who aren't Christians, or even boast and compare ourselves with other Christians, Do you see what this means for every single person who calls calls themselves a Christian? Do you see how the gospel of grace, the wonderful gift, is a complete leveler for every single Christian? And so it means for every single person here, wherever you're sitting, whether you're on the tiered seating or not, everyone is on a level playing field. There is no one better than the other. And so um, if you think of yourself, it will probably be likely that you'll place yourself somewhere on a, on a spectrum. And so it might be that as you, as you look at yourself, you look in the mirror when you wake up in the morning, you think, you know what, I'm all right. <laughs> in fact, I'd go as far as to say, God's pretty lucky to have me on his team. He's done pretty well by me. And so we can look at ourselves over here and, and, and have a kind of proud disposition that people are lucky to know me. And St. Mary's is lucky to have me. And on the other end of the spectrum, you might wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and almost despair at what you see and at what you think of yourself. And and you spend your life and you spend your Christian life just trying to hide, thinking why on earth would God be interested in someone like me? Why would St. Mary's be interested in someone like me? I just want to go unnoticed. Because there's nothing to notice here. And God wants to say to everyone, whether you place yourself over here and think you're God's gift to mankind, or you place yourself over here and think that no one wants anything to do with you, or wherever you are on the spectrum, and I guess for most of us, we go day by day moving up and down the spectrum, depending on how our day goes, and God wants to go, it's a gift! And so as I look at you, I love you. And I love you because I love you. And I love you more than you could ever imagine. And I want you. I want you on my team. I want you in my family. Not because of anything you have done or haven't done. Simply because I love you. It's the wonderful words in the old hymn that say, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. Nothing to do with what we've done. No place for boasting because it's all a gift of God's grace. And so see how, because it's all a gift and nothing to do with what we've done, see how because we are saved completely by God's grace, liberates me it liberates me from any kind of pride that thinks because i'm god's gift to mankind i can save myself and it liberates me from any kind of terror that realizes that i i have no power in which to save myself amazing grace how sweet the sound that saves a wretch like me I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I'm sorry if this takes you either back to school or takes you into tomorrow morning and Monday at school and college. But um, to help us try and get this at the bottom of each point on your notice sheet, I've just got a bit of a fill the gap I know it's simple, um, but hopefully, I want us to get it. And hopefully this will help us get it. Because Paul wants to say in verses 8 and 9, we're saved by grace, not works. We're saved by grace, not works. And yet that is only half of it. You might have been forgiven for thinking as you walked here, three verses might be a short one this evening. But that's only half of it. Because as we hear that, it can be natural to think, great, it's got nothing to do with what I do, it's all by grace, so it doesn't matter what I do now, I can do what I like. Or it doesn't matter what I do, so I'm not going to do anything now. And yet in the very same, or the very next breath, if you like, the very next sentence, Paul says, no, 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 there is so much for us to be getting on with now. He says, I've saved you for a new purpose, verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance for us to do. What beautiful words these are. You, me, every single person in this room, we are God's workmanship. It's the language or idea of an artist or a poet, hard at work, creating their next piece of art, And Paul's saying, That's you. God is the artist, and you are his workmanship or his handiwork or his masterpiece. A wonderful work of art by God himself. I wonder if that's how you think of yourself. Maybe that's not how you think. Maybe that's not what you see when you look at yourself in the mirror. But rest assured, you are so precious to God. You are his work of arts. Whether it's the 8,000 miles of blood vessels running through your body right now. The 8,000 taste buds on your tongue. The million gigabytes of storage the brain can hold. You are made in the image of God. And that makes you different to every other creature living on this earth. And you have been created to do good works. Not saved by works, verse 9. But created to do good. Good works, verse 10. It doesn't change how we're saved. Our works don't save us. They don't contribute to our salvation. But they are a consequence of our salvation. We're not saved to do nothing. No, God gives us a new purpose. To do the works that God has given us. And so Paul says, look, in, to, in response to God's gracious gift to you live out the works that he has prepared for you and if you were to read on and maybe we should have done this as a whole series in Ephesians but if you were to read on in Ephesians effectively his letter is is two halves and he spends chapters one to three unpacking the glorious gospel of grace and then in in chapters four to six the second half he unpacks the impact on how this shapes our lives these good works that he's prepared for us He says, chapter 4, verse 1, as a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. He says it affects how you are, being humble, gentle, patient, bearing with others in love, chapter 4, verse 2. He says it affects your speech, get rid of falsehood, speaking truthfully to your neighbor, chapter 4, verse 25. Not letting unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, chapter 4, verse 29. He says it affects your whole lifestyle, chapter 5, verse 2, to live a life of love. Chapter 5, verse 3, without a hint of sexual immorality, impurity or greed. He says it affects all our relationships, chapters 5 and 6. Wives and husbands, children and parents, employers, employees. It shapes how we view the church. How we're called to serve one another, chapter 4, verse 12. How we're to speak the truth in love to one another. Chapter 4 verse 15. How we're to build one another up in love. Chapter 4 verse 16. And look at the end of that verse, chapter 4 verse 16. As each part does its work. I wonder what these works might look like for you in your life. Maybe that's in your own personal life where no one else sees How the gospel of grace impacts every moment when you're just on your own. Maybe it's at home, with family, at work, or at college or school. Maybe here at church, how we treat one another here. How we speak to one another or speak about one another. How we can serve one another in different ways here at St Mary's. And before we might be tempted to think, ah, oh, these are just small mundane things that don't really matter, or I'm, I'm just not able to do them, or, or no one would want me to do them. Why would I be, in, why would anyone be interested in me doing them? Have a look at how Paul describes these work, the last sentence of verse 10, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. Because he looks at each of us here. He looks at you and says, I love you and I want you. I want you in my team, in my family. And I've got great things planned for you. Might not seem spectacular, but the spectacular thing is the thought of God before the beginning of time, sitting down and thinking about you and preparing works for you to do. You are his workmanship, his handiwork, his masterpiece. And he has prepared works for you to do. However small, however big. But he has prepared them for you. To know that he has thought about me. And prepared works in advance for me to do. It liberates me from ever feeling insignificant or useless. He wants me. And he's got great things planned for me. And so, to finish off our Our worksheet, if you like, on the notice sheet. Firstly, we're saved by grace, not works. And then secondly, we are saved by grace for works. About 500 years ago, across the whole of Europe, across Christianity in Europe, um, what we now know as a reformation was happening. They didn't know it at the time, um, but a reformation was happening. It was a, a challenge to the idea that works might contribute to our salvation. That works are necessary for our salvation. And so people went back to the Bible to see what the Bible has to say. Which is a good place to start. And they saw that actually, and this is the kind of phrase they came up with. Or that they discovered as they looked at the Bible. They saw that in order to be saved, it is by grace alone. In Christ alone. Through faith alone. Not by works, but by grace alone, in Christ alone, through faith alone. But yet, even back then, as they realized that, they knew that there might be people who hear that and go, so it doesn't matter what I do then. And so to counter that that idea, a phrase came out that said, look, we are saved by faith alone. But saving faith is never alone. We are saved by faith alone, but saving faith is never alone. Because, verse 10, God has prepared good works for each of us to do. And so whenever we hear about God's gracious gift to us, there is the challenge there never to take grace for granted. Let's not take grace for granted that we think we can add to it, or we need to add to it. That his grace isn't sufficient to save us. That I need to add my good works just to top it up to make sure God's pleased with me. Let's not make that mistake and take grace for granted. But let's also not take grace for granted and not let it transform the way that we live. By saying, look, I'm saved by grace so it just doesn't matter what I do now. No, let's let grace transform us so that we can do the works that God has prepared for us to do because we've been saved to be different we've been saved with a new purpose let me pray for us father god thank you for these wonderful words but challenging words from paul wonderful words that we have been saved by grace through faith nothing to do with us and so help us not to boast but also help us not to take them for granted And help us to see the good works that you have prepared for us. And so be ready to live out the new purpose that
0: you give us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great, grab a seat, and is going to come back up uh, and attempt to answer uh, some of your questions. There are quite a lot today, so we're afraid we probably won't get through all of them. Um, but we're going to start with uh, the top voted one, um, and there's a, there's a similar one uh, elsewhere as well, but we're going to word it uh, through this question. If faith is a gift that God gives us, does God uh, give some people faith and not others and where does free will come into whether we choose faith? Small question for you. Very, Yeah, yeah, very small question to answer in a couple of sentences. Yeah, yeah, easy. Um,
1: so, I mean, in one sense, to answer the first one, very simply, yes, if, if God, um, if our salvation, if grace, if faith is a gift from God, if we look around the world, or close to home in Basingstoke, or close to home friends, family, you know, there'll be some who are saved who trust in the Lord and some who don't and so you see um, some who enjoy that gift and some who don't enjoy that gift Um, I think as we think about that it's important to um, see the balance throughout scripture that goes it is all God's gift to you you have no contribution to your salvation but to accept the gift and so we have a responsibility to respond to it to accept the gift and so uh, friends of mine, family of mine who don't trust in Jesus, that is their responsibility and their choice that they have made to reject the gift that God offers to us. Um, and, and so I think the Bible is very clear that every single person has that responsibility and has that ability to choose to accept or to reject the gift. There's my shorts answer at it. Is that sufficient? <laughs> um I'm at sure there's point, more to say. There's definitely more to say to it. Um, um so if that is something that challenges you or you're grappling with um let's chat more. Um but I think the balance or I the balance across scripture is pretty clear that um well as we've seen in our passage, God's gift it's God's work, it's God's gift. And yet we all have a responsibility to accept that gift or to reject that gift
0: and we'll see that in people we know personally I'm sure Great, thank you for uh, that Um, there's a couple of questions about uh, that second part, about these good works that have been prepared Um, so how do we know what good works have been prepared in advance for us, how do we know what they are Um, and then also uh, what about those who haven't been saved, have they got good works um or is this only talking about christians and yeah
1: yeah great and it's something i was grappling with over the week what what are these good works are they quite general in the sense of if you're sat here and you're a teacher or a doctor or are those the kind of good works that he's um, he's prepared for us in advance um and whilst those are good things i don't think that's quite what paul has in mind here because it seems pretty clear he's speaking to the believer rather than everyone in general um but then the question of when he speak, if he's speaking to christians uh, are these good works kind of general good works that apply to every single across every single christian or are they specific to an individual christian believer and i think with that there's a bit of both and rather than either or that as paul goes on to as we explored um a little bit as paul goes on to in ephesians chapters four to six here are here's the life that god calls every single christian to it's not a case of looking through that and going "Yeah, i'll I'll take that one but i don't think that one's for me here's here's the new purpose the works that he calls every single believer to to let the gospel of grace shape our lives um, in every way as outlined in chapters four to six and yet there'll be an element of going right Uh, what about me as i look to live these things out what will that look like for me personally how has god gifted me and how might i use that for the good works that he has prepared for me and how that looks like for me at saint mary's to serve will look different to how that looks like for you at saint mary's to serve and so i think there's a place of thinking right as i as i apply ephesians chapter four to six to my life what does that look like in my situation and so there i think it does get more specific to you um and i think then to um to pray to ask god what does that look like for me those good works in my everyday life as part of a church family here asking good friends what what might that look like for me what do you think god's got planned for me in terms of how i serve here at st mary's what um in what area could i get involved in that god would want me to get involved in knowing the gifts and skills and passions that he's given me um, so I think there is a, a bit of both and to go, here it is for every single Christian believer. He, he shows us the good works he's prepared for us all to live out. Um, and yet, as well as that, for each individual Christian believer, um, there's an element of what does that look like for me personally as I look to respond to his gospel of grace.
0: Great, that's helpful. Uh, let's squeeze in uh, one more, um, which uh, will hopefully come up. Um, talking uh going back to being saved i guess by works um psalms and proverbs and i guess throughout the bible um we're told about the righteous and the wicked um and uh yeah there's this definite idea of um you know people you need you need to do good things mm-hmm. um uh how does how does we understand that in the light of this passage um Someone else refers to James as well, yep. talking about needing to do stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How does that
1: fit in? Yeah, I, I, hope, I hope we see in the balance of Ephesians chapter 2 that on the one hand, Paul wants to say, look, you're saved not because of works, and yet on the other hand wants to say, but that doesn't mean works aren't important, that we're saved for works, and, and wants to help us fall from one end to the other, one extreme to the other extreme. And so we are saved to do good works, but our good works don't save us. And so I, I think that's the repeated theme across Scripture, that it's not our good works that save us. And even when you go into the Old Testament, and, and it's interesting, people bring up the kind of... Uh, Paul, who wrote Ephesians and James, who writes a letter later on in the New Testament, and almost put them up against each other and say they don 't agree they 're against each other. Um, and yet, to make their seemingly opposing arguments, they use the same argument, looking back to Abraham in the Old Testament, and say he was saved by faith, even before Jesus came, it was by faith, and yet his faith was seen in his works it 's not his works that save him. It's faith that saved him, and yet his faith was seen in his works. His works, his faith worked itself out in the way that he lived. And I think that's the repeated theme throughout. So uh, throughout the Psalms, it does call on the way that we live, but never in a way that will save us or earn favor with God, but all in response to his gracious gift that saves us.